You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 75. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you for the next 30 minutes. And 30 minutes it will be. I've begun to become very succinct in the way that I do these podcasts because I realize that time is valuable. Even if you happen to be sitting at home, (laughs) unable to go back to your college campus because they've moved everything remote, which we sort of knew going into this school year, right? Like we were able to anticipate that after the Thanksgiving holiday, a lot of you wouldn't have been going back to campus. It's already been a pretty whack a doodly year anyways, if you think about it. Uh, not that you probably need to be reminded of anything, but when this all went down in March, there was talk of what school would look like during the fall. And I really think that the politicians and the university officials and those, the powers that be, have done a pretty good job of covering their own tookish. And if you think about the Sioux happy culture that we are a part of here in the United States, making sure that you are taking care of the student body and the citizenry as well as you can while monitoring your decision-making process around the, if we mess this up, people could die. If we mess this up, we could get sued. So I have a lot of empathy for the people who are in charge who've had to make these decisions. And I hope that you've had an opportunity over the last nine months that we've been going through this to develop a level of empathy for those who are who are trying their best. You know, as we continue to shut down more and more around the country, but especially thinking about Los Angeles where I live, we never really were open. And in June when we tried the opening of the in restaurant dining and and attempted to move ourselves into I don't even know how the color system works, but we went moved ourselves into a, a lesser of them and then the protests went down and numbers spiked. And next thing you know, we haven't had anybody eating inside of a restaurant in almost five or six months. Now, for those of you who have been acutely aware of the coronavirus, because perhaps it's touched your family and those that you love and you've lost somebody, then when you hear people complaining about not being able to eat inside of a restaurant, it no doubt boils you up a bit. And for those of you who've only heard of people in their second, third, fourth, fifth level of their social circle that have come down with corona, to you it might just seem like a bit of a nuisance. And regardless of whether you find yourself on the very deeply touched by the pandemic side of the conversation or whether you find yourself on the I only know it exists because the places I want to go visit are always closed side of the pandemic, I think it's very important that as we move into the holiday season, we start to think about empathy and compassion and sympathy for everybody's plight during this entire situation. For me, I, I know that I, I like working from home. I still have the restaurant gig here and there, not very often, and it's certainly helped out with unemployment 
during that. So I've been able to focus on the podcast and in marketing the book. I mean, it became a bestseller during the pandemic. So that's no small feat. Um, by all means, if it's always available on Amazon, College Success Habits, Seven Powerful Principles to Help You Excel in College and Beyond. And I would highly recommend you go check it out. There will be times when this pandemic will bother me more often than not. And it's usually just the way that people talk about it. Because I feel like in the conversation around it, there's an opportunity for gratitude and thankfulness. And so as we move into the meat of what this episode is going to be about, which is these three, there's two sets of three questions that I have been introduced to through NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. For those of you who have been along for the ride that is the last 74 episodes, and now we're at episode 75, you know I'm an NLP master trainer, and you know that I teach NLP. And in fact, I, I lace every single one of these episodes with a healthy dose of NLP language patterns. And it just makes it softer on the ears, and in fact, probably makes it a lot more digestible probably actually go off and and do the things that we talk about. And while my other podcast from Sobriety to Recovery has been going with this back to basics theme, and both of these shows have touched upon emotional intelligence over the last couple weeks since I started to read that book and adopt it into my lifestyle. These six big questions, there's two sets of three that we're going to go over this episode. These are really amazing ways for you to start stepping outside of your own mind and start thinking about what it is that you're creating in your life. And when we step into a genuine energy of gratefulness and thankfulness, we are then able to create from this space of gratitude and humility. And when you think about what you're thankful for and what you're grateful for, it's extremely important to, one, be able to differentiate between the two, and, and two, to really be able to embrace what it is that you're thankful and grateful for. To be thankful for something, it's, it's to be thankful to a person. You're thankful for your roommate for cleaning the dishes. You're thankful for your parents for helping you pay for school. You're thankful for your spouse for taking care of the kids while you study. Thankfulness comes toward a person for their behavior. Gratefulness comes from everything else. So you're grateful for, you know, coffee at midnight so you can stay up to study. Or you're grateful for soda water, right? You would be thankful for your spouse for bringing you a soda water. You'd, and you'd be grateful for the actual soda water. So you're grateful for your home and your electricity and your clothes and your car. And you're thankful to the person who hired you so that you could afford those things. So if you're thinking of what's the difference between thankful and grateful, the easiest way is thankful is a person and, and grateful is everything else. Right? It's the idea of something. It's the inanimate object. I'm grateful for electricity, but I'm thankful to the man who is in that little box at the top of the electric pole making sure I always have it. <laughs> So when we move into these two sets of three questions, and in my other episode, I, I literally did this exact same topic for the sobriety show, and I find sometimes the episodes for both podcasts match up. Most of the time they don't. 
But lately, I've been matching them up because the topics I'm talking about really are universal. And I think it's important that both of the demographics who listen to the podcast have an opportunity to experience this message. So in my other podcasts, again, from sobriety to recovery, and please, by all means, if you find yourself abusing alcohol and drugs or sex or porn or gambling or your phone even, right, there's addictions throughout our lives, then I highly recommend that you go over and check out From Sobriety to Recovery because it gives you an opportunity to step into an emotional intelligence sphere that for many of us is lacking because we were raised in an emotionally unintelligent society by emotionally unintelligent parents. And it's no fault of theirs. They were raised by emotionally unintelligent parents. And it's really just hereditary at this point, this emotional unintelligence. You see it rear its ugly head on news when the talking heads start screaming at one another as if the louder they talk means that they're the more that they are right. When I talk about cause and effect, which I did last week in the episodes, um, maybe it was sobriety, maybe it was college. It's funny, on the other show, I also do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I talked about it last week, and then I'll go back and look at my notes. I'm like, nope, that was the other show. Uh, they really do cross-pollinate each other quite frequently. I talked about cause and effect, right? You know, how because you because of traffic, you were late, right? Cause is why you were late. Effect is the, is the outcome. So you could say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm late because there was traffic. Well, in reality, you're late because you hit snooze three times, or you drank too much the night before, or you didn't prepare your morning ritual, so when you woke up, you were still trying to get things together you should have had together the night before. And I bring this back up because we're, we're talking about cause and effect in, cir- in the circle of you have choices. The choices you make determine the outcomes that you have. If you take personal responsibility for your actions, more often than not, you will be able to draw a direct line back to the, the, to the decision you made that led to the choice that you, that you took, right? to the decision you made that led to the outcome you received. Remove that choice part. I'm so excited. Sometimes I just don't know how to calm myself down. (laughs) I want you to be taking on this idea of personal responsibility and that you make choices that lead to your outcomes because this has been a year full of blaming other people for your lot in life. Maybe not you directly, but you've seen other people doing it. I won't assume that you're blaming other people for the fact that you can't go to on campus. Ah, oh, that stupid, you know, college president saying that I can't be in class. Well, I mean, look, some choices are out of your control, but your response to them is always in your control. You can only control the choices you can make. And then when choices are being made for you, can't go back to campus, then it's up to you. Then the choice that you then have, right? Because I said you always have choices, is your emotional response to it. So now that we're taking on this personal responsibility, I want to introduce you to these three big questions that I was introduced to when I first started studying neuro linguistic programming. And then I'm going to introduce you to another set of three questions that my mentor and life coach taught me whenever he was uh, teaching me how to be a better life coach, be a better speaker, be a better trainer. These are three really great questions to ask 
an audience or ask a new client as you onboard them to coaching sessions. And I mean, mind you, I've got clients in addiction recovery. I've got clients that are in college. I've got clients that are realty entrepreneurs. I have a, a, what I teach and what I talk about. It's really all about just organizing your life and taking personal responsibility for your emotions and, and, and making choices based on your rational thoughts and not necessarily your emotional <laughs> triggerings. These two sets of three questions are going to be things that you're going to want to write down and you're going to want to answer for yourself. And here's the first set. And the reason this is important to know is that when we go over the first set of three, when you know how to answer these, you can then look at what you're doing in college and really ask yourself, are you going down the right path for yourself? Is the job, is the career, is the lifestyle that you are building a foundation in order to create, is this really what you want to be doing? Once in a while, having this little self-check-in is a really, really, really good idea. Because there's a lot of people graduating with degrees that really aren't opening them up for a whole lot of job opportunities. So are you looking at how automation is going to affect you? Are you looking at how jobs are going to become more and more obsolete? Are you getting an of 18th century, 18th, 18th century French literature and art degree. Unless you're going to move to France, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity to use that. All these people with English degrees who just <laughs> become like human resource directors, right? Like I get you want to study something, but is it really the best thing to be paying, you know, uh, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to do in college? So your motivation to want to ask yourself these three questions is really just to check yourself and make sure that you're okay with the path that you're on. So what are the three questions? What would you pursue if you didn't want money? Number two, what would you pursue if you didn't want to make a name for yourself? And number three, what would you pursue if you didn't care what other people thought? Now, I know this is going to take a level of imaginative creativity to release your idea or to release the idea that you don't need money, you don't need fame, and you don't need people's pats on the back and, and don't need that people-pleasing. So what would you pursue if you didn't want money? What would you pursue if you didn't want to make a name for yourself? And what would you pursue if you didn't care what people thought about what you were doing or you? When we choose a career, when we choose a relationship, when we choose a lifestyle, we often put that those three things wrapped up into this bubble of how much money is it going to make? What kind of fame or recognition will I receive? And what will people think of me? Living in Los Angeles, I see this happening abundantly. And so there's a reason why I'm calling this out now for the rest of the nation. And I look, I've got 47 countries who regularly are listening to this. Shout out to Iran. Shout out to Bolivia. Shout out to Brazil. Singapore. I know you're out there. Malaysia. You've been checking me out lately. What's going on? <laughs> I recently started getting listeners in Russia. Uh, I'm not really sure how this is happening. 
Maybe it's bots. Maybe it's not. I hope you're all real people. And no doubt, sometimes you listen to me and you think, oh, these Americans have all their choices. Or maybe you have more than we have, and we're just ignorant to the rest of the world around us. I do not know. But I know this. If you ask yourself these three questions, what would you pursue if you didn't want money? What would you pursue if you didn't want to make a name for yourself? And what would you pursue if you didn't care what other people thought? And really stepped into that imaginative, creative zone where you could release the, the stress or the pressure you're putting on yourself to earn a living with this degree or to have a certain level of recognition or to please your parents or your circle of friends. The reason that this is ultimately a good idea was, you know, when you think about what you're going to pursue, it's, it's not that when you get these answers that I don't want you to think about ways to make money with them or that you still won't get recognition or that people still won't have positive thoughts about you. The idea is to release yourself from those three handcuffs. Why choose a path based on money, fame, and people-pleasing? Right? If you can go through and say, okay, what, what, what kind of career would I pursue? Well, you know, I always like dinosaurs. I'd like to be a, a paleontologist like Ross from Friends. Okay, great. Right? Then stop studying what you are and go off and be a paleontologist. Look, look, there is a way to turn any curiosity or interest or passion into your purpose. There is a way to make money off of anything that you choose to do. These three questions are important because will you wake up in 10 or 20 or 30 years having worked a job that has literally grinded your gears the entire time, but you did it because you wanted to make a lot of money? Or you, wanted, you did it because you wanted recognition? Or you did it because you wanted to please your parents? If you choose money or fame or people-pleasing over your genuine general happiness, and you wake up 30 years from now and you got a boatload of money in the bank, tons of recognition, and everybody around you is pleased, and you're cool with that, then go with it. This is all about just taking some uh, self-awareness right, from the Emotional Intelligence book I talked about a few weeks ago. It's just self-awareness. You don't actually have to change any choices that you're making. This is just an opportunity for you to at least make sure that you've asked yourself these three questions. If you still choose to pursue computer science because you know you can make a quarter, half, a million dollars a year coding for Silicon Valley companies, even if it is working you to the bone and you don't even really like doing that, screw it. If that's what you want to do, I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying check yourself for a moment. That's what all these episodes really are. It's just about self-awareness. You don't actually have to change the choices that you're making. But at least you'll be able to go back and say, you know what? I remember asking myself, what would I pursue if I didn't care about money or fame or people-pleasing? And I still chose this. It could turn out good or bad or ugly or, or happy. Who knows? You don't know what you're going to be thinking in 10, 20, 30 years. I certainly never thought at 44 that I would be sober, that I'd be doing all these podcasts and speaking and teaching and workshops. In my 20s, I cared so little about what my future was going to look like. I just kept plugging away at the television, broadcasting, written journalism, career path. Kept just pouring money into it, staying in college. I just didn't want to graduate. So I just kept you know, changing my concentration so that University of Florida wouldn't actually just automatically graduate me. 
So I've got concentrations in minors and things like copy editing and, and photography and uh, marketing and advertising. I mean, all these different skills. And the beautiful thing is, is I'm so well-rounded now living here in Hollywood and putting together my own entrepreneurship, whether it's putting together a MailChimp opt-in or whether it's, you know, designing my own website or doing podcasts. I have a lot of talents. I want you to have a lot of talents too. So when you ask yourself, what would you pursue if, if money recognition and people pleasing them wasn't patting you on the back. If none of that mattered, what would you choose? You very well might choose the same path that you're on, or the answers might blow your freaking mind. These questions are going to be in the show notes. So if you're walking, running, driving, whatever, you don't have to worry about writing them down. They will be available to you in an uh, the show notes, and you can just go back and, and catch them up later. So now that you've answered those three questions, what would you pursue if you didn't care about money? What would you do if you didn't care about fame, recognition, that kind of thing? And what would you do if you didn't care what people thought? The next three questions. Once you know what you would do if you didn't, well, now that you know what you would pursue if you didn't care about the money or making a name for yourself or what other people thought, the next three questions great. Imagine life at perfection then. Imagine you pursued a, a, a life where money and fame and people-pleasing were not your priorities. Imagine that doing that, your life was at perfection. Where are you? Who are you with? And what are you doing? When you know where you are, who you're with, and what you're doing, it takes on a whole nother level of meaning. When you're thinking about being in college and it's there, there's this push and push and push to pursue money, to pursue recognition, to, to pursue the, uh, the praise of others. If you were able to set those things aside and follow through with something you were curious or interested or passionate about, Right, Knowing the money will still come in one form or another. Knowing that you'll still have recognition because if nothing else, if you, pers- if you have a pursuit of excellence, and that's one of the things. When I talk about this with other people, not on a podcast where it's basically a long-ass monologue, when I talk about this with other people where I can get feedback, they almost seem to think that not trying to pursue money, recognition, or people's praise means that they're, that they're somehow set aside the pursuit of excellence. You never set aside the pursuit of excellence. We're not looking for progression. We're looking for progress. Pushing yourself toward the pursuit of excellence by no means necessitates that you'll actually hit it, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't aim for it. Right? You shoot for the stars, or is it you aim for the stars just, just so you can hit the moon? It's still a pretty damn good location. So when you know what you would pursue if money, recognition, and people's praise wasn't important, then where are you? And who are you with? And what are you doing? It's one of the reasons that I really love being my own boss and being this entrepreneur. I want to help people change their lives by changing the way that they think about themselves. Everything else around them will change when they change the way they think about themselves. The reason I, I specifically have a show geared towards college people that a lot of high school people listen to as well is because I know the emotional challenges that come from a rough middle school years into emotionally tumultuous high school years into addiction-laden college years. 
we are living in a society where we stare at our phones and we have less and less actual human interaction. Studies have already begun to show that our tweens and teens are growing up with less of an ability to communicate with actual uh, like physiology, tonality, and words. Right, The three main things that make up the way we communicate through our bodies, through our voices, and through the words that we use. We are literally becoming such drone-like walkers, like from The Walking Dead, staring at our phones, that our younger generations are having issues with interpersonal communication. When this begins to happen, we don't even know how to act around each other. I mean, trust me, school was rough. There's always the people who want to bully. There's the, you know, right? There's the bullies and the victims. And I don't mean to be a victim, but I was just smaller than everybody else for a substantial amount of the time. And I was new in school a lot. So you get picked on because other people were afraid of picking on, getting picked on. They began to pick on. So we're raised with this lack of emotional maturity and we get into college and we start trying to figure it all out. And hopefully you have surrounded yourself with a strong peer network and you communicate with your teachers and your parents and those that care about you, and you really let them know what's going on in life. And then COVID happens, and now you're stuck back at home, or you're taking most of your classes over a computer. And definitely this is happening in elementary and middle schools, where this opportunity to have interpersonal communication with other humans has now all of a sudden been taken away. Now we're forced to communicate through our, tele- for, through our technology. And I go into that whole diatribe because... What ends up happening is as we age ourselves, we become more and more driven by what people perceive about us. iPhone's only been around for 10 years, and it has literally changed the way human beings think, create, act, behave. It has changed everything about us. Back in the day, you were just trying to keep up with the Joneses. If your next-door neighbor got an RV, you wanted to get an RV. If your other next-door neighbor got a boat, you wanted to get a boat. If the other next-door neighbor's kid won an award, you wanted your kid to win an award. Now, all of a sudden, the next-door neighbors are the entire freaking planet because Instagram puts everybody at the palm of our hands. Because of this, i got to keep up with everybody else around me kind of mentality, we ultimately begin to push down what we really want in favor of how we will be perceived by everybody else. When you're more in thought about how people are perceiving what you're studying in college, how people are perceiving the career that you'll have, how people are perceiving who you're going to become. And in a way, I'm almost being my own devil's advocate, because earlier I said, why are you studying French art literature? If that's what you would be doing, if that's what you would be pursuing, if money and fame and and people-pleasing weren't important, is French art literature. Great. Again, I did not say you had to change your major. I just did not say you had to change your path. Once you know that that's what you want to be doing, then ask yourself, where are you, who are you with, and what are you doing? If you go off and get a French art literature major degree, and then you don't figure out a way to actually use that by moving to France or by moving to somewhere where French, French art literature matters. Then you just go back to you know Tulsa or Oklahoma City or Columbus, Indiana. Then you're doing yourself a humongous disservice. Study something that you can actually use in that community. Because if not, you studied all that, which was great. You studied it, but you could have made that a lifelong hobby. You didn't need to go to college to study it. 
So when you ask yourself if money and recognition and people pleasing weren't there, the key is just asking is just to check yourself to make sure you're happy with the decisions that you're making. These three, the next three questions, where are you, who are you with, and what are you doing? These are the three that bring it home. These are the three that tie it back into your core values. If you want to study art literature, and this is what you want to do for the rest of your life, then be prepared to move somewhere where people care that you have a degree in art literature. Don't go back to Columbus, Indiana, because there's not going to be too many damn people who care about art literature there. (laughs) So where are you? When you graduate with your degree, are you moving to an amazing foreign country where they actually care more about what you studied? Who are you with? Really think about who you're with. Are they going to be a partner in this? Are they going to be supporting you? When you know who you're with, you can start to look for for those kind of traits in a partner. And then what are you doing? Are you giving tours of the, of, of the Louvre? Are you giving uh, walking tours of, of France? Why is my brain just completely freaking out? You know what it is? I started trying to name random cities that I knew uh, in France because of the Tour de France. I was going to say like Alpe d'Huez and just basically peaks I know from a cycling race. But let's just face it. Let me just go to the easiest one. Are you giving city tours in, in Paris? Because you have an art literature, right? Why would you not? When you ask yourself, what would you pursue if if money did not matter, if recognition and fame did not matter, if what other people thought did not matter, what would you pursue? Now that you're pursuing this, where are you, who are you with, and what are you doing? When you know the answer to those three things, now you can really start to put forth the, the journey into the direction you want the outcome. I just want you guys to be able to answer these six questions. Check them out in the show notes. Sit down and write them out. Because as you move into 2021, you have seen the world be shaken to its knees. I have no doubt 2021 will be presumably better because 2020 was so whack. Are you in control of your life? Are you in control of your destiny? Are you the star in your own movie? Are you in a star in your, the, your own story you are writing? Know how you would answer these six questions. And then ask yourself, are you pursuing what you really want to be pursuing? Are you living where you really want to be living? Are you with the person you really want to be with? Are you doing the things you really want to be doing? If the answer to any of those questions is no, it doesn't mean you need to shake your whole world down. Many of us, I know I was, when you're in school, that's where you're at. That's, that's what You're in school, that's what you're doing. You're going to class, you're, you're, you're studying. You're with the people that are on campus with you that you've become friends with. And you're living in that city because that's what you need to be doing. But graduation day will come. And when it does, are you happy with the choices you've made and what you will pursue once you leave there? The entire world really is your oyster. You truly, honestly can be whatever you choose to be. Are you willing to prioritize 
what it is you want out of life over all the things that you could be buffering doing out of all of the distractions that can normally take over our time. Everybody wants to be rich, but how many people are really willing to sacrifice for that? I don't care if you want to pursue money. I don't care if you want to pursue fame. And I don't care if you want to pursue recognition and people-pleasing. It doesn't matter to me what you choose to do with your life. I'm just bringing a little self-awareness to you. As you start to wrap up 2020 and start thinking about 2021, this is the time to be journaling about what you've accomplished and what you would like to be accomplishing next year. Take this opportunity. Answer these six questions. Know these things about yourself. Because if you know these things about yourself, you can begin to make a plan that will dictate that your journey leads you toward them. But if you do not know how to answer these questions, you will wake up one day, a 40-year-old drunk who has to step into sobriety and then recovery and then figure it all out. Blessed be me and my younger self who had the wherewithal to keep studying and keep learning new things. (laughs) But I really wish somebody would have asked me to answer these six questions whenever I was younger. The old saying, if I only know if I only knew then what I know now, it's a real thing, and that's fine. But I think but I will tell you right now, if you think that youth lasts forever, look back at how fast these last nine months have gone. And imagine what the next nine to nineteen to twenty-nine years will be like. I'm not trying to speed you through the fun that college is. But we live in the information age now, and you have an opportunity to think about things that generations before you just did not think about because we didn't have every single piece of human knowledge at our fingertips. But you do. What are you going to do with it? Thank you very much for your time today. The power of positive energy, release and flow, inclusivity over exclusivity. I will see you next week. Much love. Bye-bye. 